Father, as we come to open your word, we ask that you, through your Holy Spirit, would open our hearts and minds to receive from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, this morning we're going to be finishing up the 10th chapter of Matthew, maybe, (laughs) and uh, uh, before I actually read the scriptures this morning, which is the the verses uh, 34 through 42, I wanted to just kind of do a a review and kind of put things overall into, uh, into a picture for us this morning. You know, we go clear back to uh, chapter 9. Uh, verse 35 to to grasp what Jesus is is doing here and understand that up to this point you know Jesus took the sermon on the mount had been taught and Jesus did all these miracles and 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 was showing that not only did he have the ability to teach it but he had the authority to make those claims like you have been told this but I say and and on the sermon on the mount those kinds of pictures which were revealing that he's actually making a statement about his who he is that he is the word he is God and, and, and the Son of God, uh, He is the Messiah. But coming back to, to that at the end of chapter 9, He now points out to His disciples that uh, He wants them to look at, at, at the, all of the people that have been coming and around. And He's saying, uh, you know, uh, well, let's just read verse 35 of chapter 9. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And... One of the things I know that got pointed out as this message was, was shared was the reality that when you start to pray for something, they also might be God may be asking you to be the answer to that prayer. Because what happens in chapter 10, starting with the uh, first verse, is that you know, Jesus chooses His 12 disciples, and, and then it says in verse 5 that he, these He sends out. So Jesus is sending out the disciples uh, and he's sending them, according to the verses 5 and 6, he's sending them not to the Gentiles and, and not to the Samaritans. Not to, he's sending them very specifically to the, to the Hebrew people, to the Jews. And, and, and he's saying basically to my lost sheep of Israel is implied. And, and, and so Jesus is, is first proclaiming the word to the Jews and then ultimately he will say to all of the world. Uh, he uses very distinct, in verse 7, he says, uh, I want you to proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He also gave them the, the uh, uh, power to, to heal, which I believe was to show that they were coming in his authority uh, and so that they would receive uh, what, they, what he had to teach as coming from Jesus. What they had to teach as coming from Jesus. And yet he ties all of this then with warnings. 
And uh, chapter 10 is full of, of, of concerns and warnings for those who would share the gospel. Uh, verse 16, Behold, I am sending you as sheep in the midst of wolves. That's a, you know, I, I, I don't know how many of you understand sheep and wolves, but they, they don't normally mix well. Uh, and so uh, he's saying, I'm sending you into dangerous places. And uh, you need to, to see this ahead of time, to be as wise as those who are, are evil, but be innocent in the way you approach the things of, of life and, 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 and sharing the word. Uh, verses 17 and 18, uh, you know, he, he goes on and, and says, Beware of men, for they shall deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. Now, this did not happen on their first round of going out, but it ultimately happened after the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as he commissions them and sends them out first Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and then out to the, to the rest of the world. And he's letting them know ahead of time there's going to be great opposition to what you are bringing to share. Uh, the word that you are to proclaim, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And with that idea of the kingdom of heaven at hand is at hand is the gospel message, the beatitudes that Jesus had brought and taught. So understanding the beatitudes, what it is to be walking with the Lord and, and that picture of, of, of turning to God and becoming close to God. So the warnings continue also in verse 21. Um, brother will deliver brother over to death and the father his child and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated for all my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you, in one town flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all of the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. And, and so the warning is, is really, the world is not going to receive what I have to share. They're not going to receive it very well. And yet he's sending them without any reservation in the sense of going out. And so he's preparing them for what's ahead of them. And we come to verse 34. Well, before, before I read that, uh, I, I wanted to, to read today's daily bread to you. Uh, I, mo well, some of you, most of you probably already read it. But I would, in that case, I will be reading it and you'll get to listen to it twice. Um, when I served as an intern for a Christian magazine, I wrote a story about a person who had become a Christian. In a dramatic change, he said goodbye to his former life and embraced his new master, Jesus. A few days after the magazine hit the street, an anonymous, an anonymous caller threatened, Be careful, Darmani. We are watching you. Your life is in danger in this country if you write such stories. That was not the only time I've been threatened by pointing people to Christ. On one occasion, a man told me to vanish with the tract I was giving him. Or else. In both cases, I cowered. But these were only verbal threats. Many Christians have had threats carried out against them. In some cases, simply living a godly lifestyle attracts mistreatment from people. The Lord told Jeremiah, you must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. And Jesus told his disciples, I'm sending you out like sheep among the wolves. 
Yes, we may encounter threats, hardships, and even pain, but God assures us of His presence. I am with you, He told Jeremiah. And Jesus assured His followers, I am with you always. Whatever struggles we face in our attempt to live for the Lord, we can trust in the Lord's presence. And I was thinking, uh, you know, Jeff uh, Woodkey, you know, and we don't know what's happening with him right now. One was mentioned, uh, uh, Mrs. Ms. Beebe, uh, whose, whose life is, is under, under a death penalty right now. And uh, for proclaiming Christ, for living Christ to other people. And we, we, we hear about it, we talk about it, and certainly in reference to the news, it's, it's around us because of, of what's going on in Iraq especially. And I thought it was really quite awesome, though, in, in, in Mosul, uh, the, a town just, just outside of the, of the city Mosul, it was Martella, which had been held by the uh, ISIS for, for a couple of years. And it says that as that town was liberated, by the way, Martella is one of the areas which is a Christian sub-area. It's a, basically a Christian community, a number of churches. And one church, their bells started to ring as the, the, the town was liberated from ISIS. And... Uh, I thought that was awesome because apparently that's triggered another church to ring its bells and, 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 and so forth. But, you know, here's, here's they just, they have, the town is not even really free yet. And ISIS people can be hiding anywhere still. And it was like, we have a chance. We're going to proclaim, even if it's only ringing our bells. And everybody there understood what a church bell was and what it meant, and, and, and they were proclaiming. And I thought, how bold that is. And then I think of, of Paul and, and, and the other apostles in different situations. Even Paul, left outside of, the, of, of town as dead, gets up and goes back into the town. Uh, we're, we, talk, we sang a song about having that passion and that love that Jesus is our all in all. He is all to us. So I, you know, it just kind of caught my attention in the in the uh, daily bread this morning, uh, and and so the the need for for the message to go out, but the message is not you know it, it's not going to agree with uh, a lot of people, especially the scribes and the Pharisees and the priests and 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 Jesus, they had to deal as you recall they had to deal with Jesus's authority and his power that he was healing. He delivered a, a man that was deaf and dumb from from a demonic possession and and they said, "Oh, well his power is what? From Beelzebub or or from the devil, satanic." That's how harsh the opposition would take it. And that was just the beginning of that was just the words they were starting to use. By the way, that was the position of most of the Jewish leadership and teachers at the time. And what you realize is that Jesus' message, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the, 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 the gospel message that he was beginning to build, uh, coming through the Sermon on the Mount, all of that that was there caused people to position, be in a position where you had to, to make a, a, a choice. And really, it came down to two places. You're either going to follow or you're going to reject. 
I'm going to suggest to you that it's the same today and has been the same always, going all the way back through the Old Testament even. You're either choosing to follow me and as you're all in all, or you're in the other camp, which is rejection. And how serious is that? Well, if we're following, then we're going to acknowledge, we're going to proclaim. And Jesus says that if we will do that, He will acknowledge us before the Father. If we deny, if we reject, He says, that's what I will do for you before the Father. The message we bring as believers, as Christians, the one that we proclaim is the one we were instructed to proclaim, that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God in the flesh. The Word become flesh. He's the one that that put forth, we call it the Great Commission, that we are to go out unto the world, bringing His teaching, looking for people who will listen, and, and to bring them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then He says, and teach them all that I have taught you. Brings us to again the, the the scriptures this morning. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous uh, person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Jesus says that he didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. And, I, and I'm, I'm looking at that and, and saying, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a problem here. <laughs> I don't know if you, you, if, if you catch it or not, but, you know, we, we've got Luke chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased, in reference to Christ. Scriptures that we're familiar with, the Advent soon coming up, is, is that like Isaiah chapter 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
And yet here he is saying, he's, he's the Prince of Peace, but here he's saying he didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. And I, I, I highlighted in my own little margin here on my notes, is this a contradiction or has he failed? You know, I mean, you know, he's supposed to be the one, he's the Prince of Peace. How does this work? Well, first we have to understand the peace of Christ and what it's talking about when he says uh, the, that the, that that there's one who has uh, brought peace. Uh, it's, it says in whom God is well pleased. The men that will receive peace are in whom God is well pleased. So you've got to understand within the framework of Luke chapter 2, it's saying, you know, you have to be able to please God. By the way, how do you please God? Oh, well, by being good, right? No, there's only one way you can please God, and that's by receiving Him as your, and I'll use the words from the song tonight, your all in all. Your Savior, your Lord. The difficulty that that was going on at the time that Jesus was walking this earth, and even after that at time, was what the Jewish expectation was of the Prince of Peace. They knew that scripture. And so Jesus has been declaring that he's the Messiah. And then he turns around and says, I'm not here to bring peace. I, I would have to say even the disciples might have been scratching their head a little bit for a moment here. Uh, you know, because, you know, the idea was, was the Messiah was going to, to come and kick out those who had a, been ruling over Palestine and over Israel specifically and reestablish the kingdom of God uh, back to the days of, of Solomon, if you will, and, 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 and this type of picture. And, and that's what they were looking for in their Messiah. Even the disciples at the very end, just before he ascends, make the statement, oh, by the way, are we going to go in now? You know, it, it's still it's so ingrained in the way that they were thinking. That was the peace. They were looking for political, physical, government, if you will, peace. That's not the peace that Jesus brought at the point in time that we see him in the Gospels. He will bring a peace to that to earth, and, and we'll look at that in a moment in a, in a future context. But the peace that he was bringing was something that would put you at peace with God. The Jewish expectation, they're looking for an earthly, political. I mean, we've been talking on Sunday nights. They had been conquered by the Assyrians. They've been talking about conquered by the Babylonians, then the Greeks, and now Rome. For the last few hundred years up until the time of Jesus, they had been under someone else's thumb. A Roman could come up and say, carry my load for a mile. That was the law. You could not refuse that. Jesus said, by the way, to do what? Surprise them. Carry it for two miles. Yes, Jesus is going to set up his kingdom in such a way where it will be eternally at peace, but first, something else had to happen. All of the law, we've read, we went back to Matthew chapter 5 to see this, all of the law must be fulfilled. And including in that context of fulfilled needed to be the picture of sin and the penalty of sin satisfied before the throne of God for man. 
Isaiah 52, uh, 13 through Isaiah 53, talks about the suffering servant, Jesus Christ. That He would be one who would, would be marred and, and, and beaten and, uh, for, for us. He would be pierced for our, our in, uh, sins. Psalm 22 shows us Jesus on the cross. It actually shows us the cross from Jesus' point of view. Where Psalm 22 starts out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it goes on to talk about all that would be going on right down to the casting of lots for His clothing. Jesus fulfilling on the cross all that needed to be taken care of to saddle, settle the debt of sin before the throne of God. So that all who have been called and, 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 and received the call would be able to approach the throne of God with confidence that the debt had been paid. The words, it is finished, applied to them. So, before the kingdom of heaven is expanded and there's as earth or there's peace on earth, if you will, the idea is first must come the cross. And again, why? Because man has sinned against God. He, Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. The one who Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, emptied himself and became flesh. Who, who, who John speaks of, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Also, that we might be saved. Ephesians, and, I, and it's verses that you hear frequently, but I feel appropriate to, to read here this morning. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived. All of us need this peace to be put on us and covered with it. We can't do it in any way, shape, or form on our own. You all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were... Uh, by nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him, seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us. In Christ Jesus, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, but it is a gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no man may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Also familiar to us, Romans chapter uh, 5. Verses 1 and 2. 
Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also been obtained, excuse me, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Jesus first had to bring peace before the throne of God on the behalf of each and every one who would come that he would call. And so the cross had to come before peace on earth. The response, again, is are you going to try to work this out yourself or are you going to surrender to Christ? Look at verse 39 of of chapter 10. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It sounds like a little puzzle or code, but basically what it's saying is whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever tries to save himself is going to do what? He's going to fail. Period. He loses. I was that person that Ephesians spoke about. You know, I was a child of of wrath at one point in my life because I had rejected Christ's peace, His gift of of grace. And I felt like, you know, if if there's a heaven, I'm going to be just just as lucky as anybody else to get there because I'm I'm not a bad person not understanding that I had to be a perfect person to go. But through Jesus Christ and the peace that He's brought on the cross, in the words that is finished, I am perfect through His grace. That's how God now sees me. Because instead of trying to work it out on my own, I surrendered my life. I gave it up. Jesus becomes my all in all. As a result, now I have life. I think, you know, again, it is one of those things that sticks in my mind, especially over times when we lose someone that we love who's a believer. But the reality is, is that what is mortal, this physical body, is swallowed up by life. That's who we are in Christ. And there's a peace with God that we have even now, that, we, that applies to us right now. This doesn't apply to the world. This apply, applies to those who have received the grace of God, who rest in that grace, who believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. They've confessed with their mouth. They believe in their heart. They are willing to stand and proclaim and acknowledge He is the Son of God. The result is Jesus says, uh, as he was uh, the, the night that he was sharing with his disciples the Last Supper and, and a number of other things that John records that he shared, uh, he says, "Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away; I will come to you." If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, 
But I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. And in the midst of all of that trouble, he has that phrase, peace I leave with you. That's all turmoil to me, you know, and he had right in the middle of it. Peace I leave to you. What's the peace he's leaving to you? And in the, in the reality of the helper of the Holy Spirit who will come alongside us to cause that peace to work with us. And what it is is a peace that we are not to be afraid. That we can stand ultimately like Paul would stand and say, you know, uh, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. The worst thing that can happen to me in this world and as far as the world is concerned is that we lose our life. And Paul says, if that happens, I win. I actually gain. Jesus makes sure that they, they, they understand again uh, in, in this idea of, of the peace. Uh, he says to, in, in chapter 16, you, uh, So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Uh, in that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He will give it to you. Until now you have... Ask nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be fulfilled. That idea of, of, of coming and understanding. There's a, we can have the peace now to know that, that the work of our salvation is finished. And we have it to look forward to in the sense that it, there's a time where it will be complete. He says later on in verse six, uh, chapter 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And in the future, the peace that Jesus, the future peace that Jesus is talking about, uh, only takes a minute, you know, because it's it's probably one of the easier books to find. It's, it's like trying to, you know, finding Genesis and finding Revelation. It's the one in between that get, get confusing. Uh, is what Jesus says to John in reference to the, the new heavens and the new earth. In fact, what John sees in his vision. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throng saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be His people and God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Wow. What a powerful picture of what is to come. We can have peace individually and within the body of Christ together as we share the words of Christ, and encourage one another. We can be a, a, a people at peace. I, I, I have to tell you, and I'm, I'm cautious as to even stepping in this, this, this hole, uh, and, uh, you, know, is, is, you know, with what's going on today in, in our country and around the world, but, you know, in our country, the politics, I've even seen division amongst church people, which is disheartening. Uh, and all I can tell people is, is you know, 
take the scripture and 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 you know and 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 pray about your choices and all of this kind of stuff. But the reality is is that when the the things that divide the body of Christ, there's it, it's it, there's something inherently wrong when we allow that to happen. Having people, I've had people come up to me. They want and they're, and, they're, and and it's to, it's to be put in a position of of so I can share with you, not me. Well, I'll reverse it. I come up to you to to ask you who you're voting for for president. Why? Because I've already made my decision, and I want to make sure that as I bait you, uh, that if you're not in agreement with me, I can set you straight on issues where I have to confess that neither candidate impressed me with their values. And it causes division. In the midst of all of this, what we need to be looking for is the reality that no matter how this turns out, each one of us individually, we're going to have to stand before the throne and be accountable for the decisions we make. And I agree, you you have to wrestle with that. But the bottom line is, is that Before I wrestle with any of that, I need to rest first in Christ and in His peace. And if if something from the outside world is coming in and disrupting that peace within the body of Christ, I I really feel that it's something that's wrong. That's enough of that. I I, I don't get into politics very often. Uh, This picture that, that, that John sees in heaven, a new heaven and a new earth, and again that idea of no pain, no sorrow, no suffering, every tear wiped away, uh, no death. Everything that disrupts what we would, would say our relationship with God is gone. That's the, the, the peace that Jesus ultimately brings. But it's for only those who rest in His peace in this lifetime that they have through Christ and His grace that He purchased at the cross. So we're to acknowledge, we're to confess, we're to proclaim that Jesus Christ uh, is, is, is the, the Son of God, God in the flesh. The message we take is Jesus Christ and, and we proclaim the kingdom of heaven. And we need to be aware that as we do that, as we share with people, that we are going to be at odds with the world. That will actually be viewed in many times in, in, in history as enemies of the world. Certainly, what we see, whether it's Saudi Arabia or, or Syria or Iraq or other places that in the Middle East, we see it constantly, but it's not just there. There's many places around the globe that there are people that if they say their faith out loud, one risk of, of nothing less than being eliminated from any good job. From you know, the black mark. You know, black ball. The world at its best, kind of a, my little note for myself here, it's trying to save itself coming up with all these schemes and plans and ideas of we must, we must do this, 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 and this. We must save ourselves. And the bottom line is, is that without Christ, it doesn't work. And they ultimately lose. But when we surrender to Christ, 
Our life rests in His grace, His mercy, His truth, His work on the cross. It is finished. Verses 40, 41, and 42 of chapter 10 basically are talking about the fact that the message is going to go out. I'm not going to get into a lot of details about that as, as much as to understand the message is going to go out and those who receive the message and the messenger are those who God says, I will bless you, will receive your reward. As the messenger comes out and he gives the message and you receive them, you know, uh, the idea is, is that you, you'll have the reward that they have. What is the reward? Eternal life. We're not talking about, oh, you know, colonel, sergeant, corporal. Uh, you know, uh, we're, we're, I really believe the reward that's speaking of here is to be at peace with God and to have eternal life. If, if, when, when, when you take the message to someone and they receive you, and they receive the message that you bring, then they are saved. Wow. You, you know, it's, 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 it's an awesome thing. And if you've ever had the joy of being used by the Lord to share the gospel with someone and see them accept Christ, it's, it's, uh, it's an exhilarating experience. There's a tendency sometimes to, to, to walk away and say, boy, did I do good. <laughs> no. It's the Christ in us through the Holy Spirit that does good. Uh, but He does look for us to be yielded vessels. And an awesome thing is, is that you don't have to be a theologian and, and know all the Scriptures to do that. All you have to do is to share your passion and to live your passion. But if you do, there will be people who don't want to be around you. There will be people who will reject you. And in some cases, it may even be putting a job on the line. But Jesus says it can be a lot closer than that and a lot more difficult than that. It can break families. You know, it's hard for me. That was one of the areas, that, as I looked at this, that was hard for me because Jesus spends time talking about the importance of honoring your parents and, and, and fathers with their, 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 their children and, and all of the, the things that, that the Lord says about family and the Bible says about family. But he says there is something that is higher than even family. First and foremost are all in all Jesus Christ. And I have seen families divided at this point over Christ. Jewish families especially, but others as well, where they just uh, they say, if you go this direction and, and make Christ your all in all, uh, you're no longer part of this. And Jesus says we need to be that passionate, that committed. I want to suggest to you that that doesn't come on your own strength, but only comes through the Holy Spirit working in you, praying that the Holy Spirit will give you the ability to rest in Christ in such a way that the passion of Christ will become your passion in the sense of what it even says about the harvest. That you'll be willing to share the gospel. And people will look at me and they'll say, it's, you're expected to do that. It's easy for you because everywhere they go, they know you as Pastor Bob. You know, so when I go to speak at the high school about something, you know, there's some people thinking, oh, here, here he comes. You know, other people say, hey, Pastor Bob. But, but it's, you know, just there's an expectation. I, and, and I have to confess that in some ways, I, I, I probably do have it easier. 
Uh, but there are other times in my life where it's cost. And nothing like what I see others in the world, though. I've never experienced that kind of, 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 of re- the, the rejection in the sense of, of the law of the land even standing against me. But I, I just, the ra- reality that, that the important thing is, have you received the God of all, uh, of, of all creation, the author of your salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ? That's the essence of, of what he's really getting at. And if you have, then we are called to acknowledge it, proclaim it. The idea of that is like standing on a rooftop and telling everybody. And, and so uh, just having that in your mind, you know, if you are at peace with God, then there's a whole number of things that, that, that come to, to uh, become what you rest in. And I know I, I, I go back to Romans so often, but I can't help myself because it's so powerful. We sang it <laughs> this morning, the end of it, so uh, chapter 8. So I'll, I'll give you the first of chapter 8. And again, verses you're familiar with. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. What a powerful picture. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. I'll go back to the rest of that later in just a few minutes. But that picture of no condemnation. But I've got sin. Confess your sins. I am faithful. I will forgive your sins. No condemnation. Is that a license to sin? <laughs> Previous chapter, Paul says, Heavens, no, 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 no. But what it is is the reality that we don't have to, to, to uh, spend every day in fear. You know, uh, it's, it's kind of like, oops, I'm saved. Oops, I'm not saved. Oops, I'm saved. Oops, I'm not. No, there's no condemnation. And then we go on and, 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 and share in so many of the other pictures or promises that are, are shared with you uh, that... Uh, that we are the children of God, that we are heirs with Jesus, uh, uh, that uh, heirs of, uh, he says, heir, and, and if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And what it means is we don't go looking for the suffering, but the reality is, is that if we stand for him, if suffering comes, we hold tight to Christ. That's the, the reality of, of, of being saved. And, and what can take this away from us? What did we sing just a, a few minutes ago? Nothing. Nothing created on this earth can interfere with this. Jesus said, nothing's going to be able to pluck, from, pluck a, 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 a one from my hand that I have chosen. No one's going to pluck it away from me. So as we enter into to communion, that is the uh, part of that picture that is here. How did the peace of God become ours? Through the cross. Through Jesus Christ, God coming in the flesh, the bread, and, and, and pouring out His blood, the, the, the cup of the juice, the wine. And He gave us this as a memorial 
that as often as we would do it, to do it in remembrance of Him until He comes again. So He even ties it not only to the peace that we have now, and there's no condemnation because we rest in this act that He has done, but it also gives us the future picture of the peace when it's complete. Again, going back to, to Romans uh, chapter 5, uh, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. By the way, that's just always that reminder. At the right time, uh, Paul writes that in Galatians 2, at the, at the very perfect time you know, Christ came. Rest with a confidence in this. Jesus is never late. I'm a little antsy about things. <laughs> Kathy's over here, yeah, maybe a lot antsy about things. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, get, I get anxious. But the reality is, is that as, and, and I can rest with a sense of peace that passes understanding because I, can, I, I know that he is in control. And he, he's never late. And the promise in Romans 8 that all things are ultimately going to work together for the good of those who believe and wrap their life and for his work and for his plan. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ Jesus died for the ungodly. For one, we will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation we are at peace with God. Would the ushers come forward, pass the communion out, hold it until we've all been served, and we'll share it together. The singers, uh, come please. Rise, my soul will rest in your embrace. 
of a sword is really something accurate. Out of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, you know, the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. It cleaves the, the, through the bone even. The idea is it, it cleaves us deep to expose what? Our sin to who? Us. So that we might see we can't save ourselves, but need to surrender our lives to Him that we may have life and life everlasting. That is what Christ has done for us. At the supper that He shared with His disciples on the night that He was betrayed, He took bread and He very, after He'd given thanks and He passed it to the disciples, He gave it a very graphic picture. <laughs> he said, this is My flesh, broken for you. And the idea there is that the Word became flesh, dwelt among us, and suffered for us. 
even on the cross. And he asked us, as often as we would share this bread, that we would do it in remembrance of him. Taking the cup at the end of the meal, the cup of wine, gave it just a very simple picture for us to remember until he comes again. This is his blood poured out for us to purchase the covenant of, of grace that we might be able to say, It is finished. He did it. It is finished. And I rest in his work. And he says, As often as we do this, we do it in remembrance of him. Father, again, we thank you. We praise you. We come before you, Lord, humbled by the reality of who we are and overjoyed in the truth of who you are and what you've done for us. Cause us to be bold when you need us to be bold. And and not just bold with our actions, but bold with our words. With that confidence that you are with us. We rest in the promises that you've given us with and, and, and I ask, Lord, that you would give us all that confidence that we can rest with you, that, that assurance that we are resting in the grace of God now and forever. We worship you. We thank you. Go with us as we go today. And, and again, give us the, 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 the presence of mind to see what's going on around us through your Holy Spirit that we might have your eyes, your ears, and then your words to encourage, to build up, and to lift up those in the body and to share your word with those who don't know you. In Jesus' name, amen.